0: Uh, Let's get into God's Word. Um, We continue with that theme of thinking about uh, God when life takes a different turn. When life throws us a curveball. Job is a powerful story of a man who had it all and who lost it all. Uh, Let me read for us from chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And the man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each, each one on his day and they would send and invite uh, and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them and when the days of the feast had run their cause Job would send and consecrate them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all for Job said it may be that the children have sinned and cast God in their hearts thus Job did continually now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and the Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the, the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is no one like him on earth? A blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. And he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So we, um, alongside our music, uh, awesome music, we kick starting a, a series in Job called uh, that is titled... Um, faith in the new normal. We're we considering what it means to follow Jesus in moments uh, that Lily sang about, moments where it doesn't really make sense to trust in moments where we are struggling. And as I, as I was thinking about those songs, I'm like, man, I know people individually. As a pastor, you get to sit on the front row seat. You see all the beauty of life. But one of the other things that you see is all the mess of life. And it is just, it's just moving. And I hope I don't cry at all during this service. Uh, It would not be a move of the spirit. It would just be me being emotional. Because man, wow, a life can be tough, isn't it? A life can be challenging. Uh, And Job's story is one that wrestles with God. And as we walk through it, I do hope and pray that we will be true Israelites. An Israelite is one who wrestles with God. Uh, That we would... Not necessarily find the answers, but wrestle with God uh, in uh, whatever it is that we are going through. My prayer is that we'll see God like we've never seen Him before uh, through this book. Personally, I started reading this book in 2019, I think. Uh, During the pandemic, I spent time reading it. And can I just say that it blew me away to encounter the God that I read in Job. Because he wasn't the God that I was used to. He didn't have the answers that normally Christians give, particularly when we go through uh, difficulties. Uh, It is a God who helps us have faith in times of um, difficulty. So I do hope, maybe, maybe you came in, you have lost hope in God. I hope that by the end of the next five weeks or so, as we walk our way through Job, uh, that you'll be encouraged in your walk with, with God. So why don't I pray that God would do that as we start off uh, this series. Please bow your heads as our leaders. Father, thank you so much for those songs that we sing, that we are nothing without you. I wonder, Lord, if we truly believe that. I, I pray that you would help us in our unbelief, in our wrestling with you, uh, to come to the uh, realization of that. I pray that we would have just honest lives, um, honest about our situations, honest about the questions that we have, honest about the doubts that we have, uh, but most of all, a life of faith in this new normal. I do pray that you would empower the preaching of your words this evening. Um, That you uh, would open up our eyes to see you uh, for who you are. Through Christ our Lord we ask. Amen and amen. Um, So one of the things I I do when my kids are sleeping is that I I watch TikTok videos. Uh, TikTok is uh, that crazy app where you watch... uh, 30 seconds videos for like five hours or so. Um, one, of the, one of the videos said something like this. It said that there's three stages to life. Uh, first, you are born, and then there's this middle life that we, middle phase that we go through that is called ya, ne? <laughs> and then you die. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure that um, <laughs> that summarizes our lives, doesn't it? Um, but I often wonder, man, looking back at high school, um, many of you didn't do life orientation. I was one of those first generations who did life orientation, and they were preparing us for life. And I just wonder, like, if I knew what I know now back then, what, what I would have wanted in the syllabus called life orientation. Uh, the, 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 the aim of the subject is to orient, orient you uh, to life. And we did things like what? Self esteem? (laughs) That was not helpful. Um, Why did we not have things like dealing with disappointment at the age of 25? Why did we not have things like dealing with grief or loss? Um, or, loss of a loved one, a loss of, of of a parent, why did we not have those kind of things? Things like subjects like holding life down when the finances are not holding down. Uh, that sounds like a, a sermon for another 's day amen um, i don 't want to preach. I want to talk to you guys. Um, but I, I, I wonder why life orientation did not teach us those things because the older you grab, the more you 'll experience suffering. other suffering in your own life. Or the life of those who are close to you, and if you're a if you're a Christian, an honest Christian, um, I wonder if you ever think to yourself, "Man, is it is it even worth following God in the midst of my struggle? Is it is faith worthwhile when life throws us a curveball?" And that's what really the the section that is called wisdom literature deals with. It deals with preparing us for life. It is life orientation on another level. It is, it is life orientation from the perspective of God. And so we do have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And each and every one of them have a specific focus concerning life and what it means to live life. What, me, what it means to live life on this world, in this phase, called yane. How many of you have been through that phase? Maybe it's just me. Uh, you guys look spiritual. You look like you, you don't suffer a lot. Um, wisdom literature, um, as I would like to to think about it, it's almost like sitting at the feet of your granddad uh, and lapping up uh, some of life's big lessons. Somebody who's walked the path, who's looked back, uh, who's who, who stood the test of time, uh, saying to you, my child, this is what life looks like. It reminds me of uh, back home, grew up in a small village. Um, and every, every day would go to our paternal our grandparents. And every day at three o'clock, we would uh, have tea. Um, we knew it was three because that yellow bus called the Northwest Star would pass through the village. And it was tea time. And as the tea flowed, the conversation flowed, and you had that moment where it was um, they, they dropped those spells of wisdom. You know when they say, wana wana, that means grandchild, in life. <laughs> whatever comes after that is powerful stuff. And so wisdom literature is like sitting at the feet of your granddad and lapping up all that life is about. And Job in particular... Deals with faith when life throws us a curveball. When life doesn't pan out the way we wanted it to. When you're still in your 30s and you're like, man, I did not think that I'll be still using taxis and still having to make, um, to work hard for a career. I thought I'll be somewhere uh, in my finances. Um, When you are 30 and you are divorced and you think to yourself, man, I I never planned for this. Um, This is what Job um, is all about. It is about faith and having faith in God uh, when life throws us the curveball. And the big question that uh, the book of Job asks of us is why do we serve God? Why do you serve God? And that's what we're going to discover. I'm not going to have answers after this sermon. This is just introducing to us the main question of our story. Now, here's the thing. Many of us have read Job. How many of us have read the book or know the story? Many of us know the story, right? Um, the thing that we know is that it is about suffering, right? Uh, and it, is, uh, it talks a lot about suffering. But in actual fact, the book isn't really about suffering primarily. It is about faith in God primarily. Faith in God through uh, the suffering. How do we continue to serve Jesus? How do you continue going to church, uh, giving to the work? Uh, how do you continue serving at the door when life throws you a curveball? When God doesn't seem like He kept to His promises, that is primarily what the book is grappling uh, with. And so we're going to have a quick look at a section that was read to um, to us. Uh, under three headings. Number one, faith when things are normal. When all is going well, when your wallet is uh, as thick as Big Zulu's wallet. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know Big Zulu, he's a rapper who says, I want to have money. A lot of it. I, want, I don't know Zulu that well, um, but I want my wallet to swell up. Uh, and so Big Zulu does have a wallet. But when Life is a big wallet. When, when things are normal, faith, um, we're going to look at faith in when things are normal. Number two, we're going to see faith in the new normal, when things don't go according to plan. And then lastly, uh, which is the point of our message, a faith that is not normal. Uh, so number one, faith when things are normal. Let's have a look at our story. A perfect picture of a perfect man living a perfect life. Now, of course, this is a story that has some spice to it. Uh, If you know Lily's husband, uh, uh, Black, when he tells you a story, uh, sometimes it feels like it is just so spicy (laughs) (laughs) that in fact it's more interesting than the actual story and what happened. Um, So Job, in some sense... um, we need to approach it. It is a narrative. So the way it tells the story, so like if it says he had seven sons, that's just the perfect number. It doesn't, we don't know. He could have had seven sons, but that's not the point. It just means he had a perfect GQ life. He would appear on Time Magazine as Israel's most influential people. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Um, to three, as it portrays the kind of man that Job is. There was a man from the land of Uz whose name was Job. And the man was blameless and upright. Right on the, at the beginning we get his character. One who feared God and turned away from evil. Verse 2. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. That means uh, he had a perfect family. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. 500 female donkeys and many servants. This guy had it all. This guy was um, the most influential person. In fact, verse 3 says this. So so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. In comparison to everyone, this is uh, the man who had it all. If he stayed in Midland, you would have perhaps engaged with him. Uh, You would have seen him at Woolies on Sunday afternoon, uh, suited up after church. Uh, Job is a man who honors God uh, and who honors God's people. He's faithful to his wife. Uh, he doesn't pay a bribe uh, for to, so that his business would go well. So faithful is he that he in, insists that his family goes to church every single Sunday. Even when they're on holiday in Balito, they'll go to Christ Church North Coast. Um, this is a man uh, who, who had it all. Uh, a man to look up to, every Tuesday he takes his V8 Bucky, he buys a lot of food, and uh, he distributes to those ladies. You know those ladies who stand by the robots looking for work? So this is a man who believes that God has blessed him so that it will be a blessing um, to others. He's a godly example. If you met him at Life Grand Cafe, you would not think uh, his, uh, his um, net worth is uh, half a billion he's just a humble humble man uh, so here we are in this first the three verses presented with this picture of a man who's on the one hand righteous obeys god on the other he's blessed and that's life as it's uh, in, in its normality of course things are meant to be that way if you were reading this as an ancient person you'd be like of course if you love god basilani God will love you. If you're good to God, Muzalwani, amen, can I preach to you? God will be good to you. If you give your money right now, if you just go on and tap on the snap scan and sow a seed of faith, you don't know what God is going to do in your life. (laughs) Someone someone on Facebook, They we, by the way, I deal with brokenness and grief is through humor. I'm not just a clown, but if I focus on how heavy life is, I think it's going to break me. Um, a friend of mine on Facebook said something like this. He said, if, if you hear somebody say, will a man rob God, know that you are being robbed. And, <laughs> and, and run away uh, as far as you can. Um, but, of course, the ancients thought like that. Of course, in our world, we think like that as well, isn't it? If I'm faithful to God he will be in turn faithful to me. If I serve him, he will in turn serve me. So the, the key essence of my service to God is not so much God, but it's the things that I get uh, from him. How many of us have been have been there? When things are normal, when life is going well, it is easy to have faith. Um, it is easy to have faith. Now have a look at verse 6, as the story takes a different turn. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And we're going to see this as we walk our way uh, through Job's, um, uh, the story of Job. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? So the earthly sin that we see in verses 1 to 5 says that God, Job, rather, is sinless. Uh, he's blameless. And the heavenly sin also uh, uh, um, affirms that very truth. Uh, verse chapter 1 um verse 1, chapter 1, verse 8, chapter through 2, verse 3. All of them say that there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Things are normal for him, and so he is blessed and he has faith in God. And God says to the Satan, do you know, have you seen that guy with unshakable unshakable faith. But what we're going to see is that the Satan would then put the question back to God. Can we truly say that this faith is unshaken when you've never shook it? We turn to our second point, which is faith in the new normal. And this is the key verse. If you miss anything in Job, don't miss this. Because if you don't understand this question, you don't understand the whole book. Verse, chapter 1, verse 9 is the question that the whole book of Job tries to get to. Have a look at it. Then Satan answered, this is the ESV, the Lord, and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? The NIV puts it this way. Does Job fear God for nothing? Like, nothing. Just njay. He loves God for no reason. Surely, if you shook him up a bit, uh, you see that his faith will be found wanting. What is at the key of this, ver- uh, uh, of this verse is what is called the retributive principle. Fancy word that just simply means the ancients believed that gods, the gods, created people to serve the gods because they didn't want to do manual labor. So they built temples for them, uh, that is, houses. They gave food to them. And they sacrificed to them uh, and prayed to them. So it was a mutually beneficial relationship. You scratch God's back, he scratches your back. It's a give and take relationship. Be good to God, he's in turn good to you. That's the retributive principle. And at the heart of uh, Job's logic is this. People serve God so that God can protect them and be good to them. God needs, the gods need people, or rather God needs people to serve him. So there'll always be that working relationship. So if suffering comes, it must mean there was a problem. And normally, what is the problem? If you go to any church with a fancy suit and everything, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, um, of a man of God who says, if you have faith, my brother, your situation will change. When your situation doesn't change, what is the problem there? It's because you didn't keep your end of the bargain. You didn't do, um, please God, as you ought uh, to have pleased Him. You didn't keep your end of the bargain. So the logic uh, follows, that if suffering comes, and this is what we see in the rest of the book, that you must have done something wrong. Now we know this, isn't it? If you are from an African traditional belief system. What do they say? When things are not going well in your life, when my brother couldn't find a job and everything seemed to be going bad in his life, when he had finished his matri, got four A's, went to, the, to varsity, first person in our family to go to varsity, had all our hopes on him that he'll find a job and things will go well in his life. This was a man who loved God. Things didn't go well for him. What did my grandmother say? Well, something is wrong. I think you need to go see somebody. Um, see somebody to sort out the situation. You haven't kept your end of the bargain with the ancestors. Uh, you need to do something uh, so that they can bless you. What is behind that? It is the retributive principle. Scratch their bag and they'll scratch your bag. And it's so ingrained in our culture. And it's not just ancient Near Eastern culture. It is not just African traditional beliefs, but it is also Western beliefs as well. You'll hear it in the statements that we make. Statements like, what have I done to deserve this? What is behind that question? As honest as it is, I've often asked it myself in my own life. Behind that question is, I must have done something. To make God angry. And that's the reason why he's punishing me. That's the retributive uh, principle. We see it also in modern, um, modern church. Modern Christianity. That says to you, you are limitless. That if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. And everything is possible. And very often it's good to have that kind of thing. But sometimes it doesn't help us in our brokenness. And when things take a wrong turn. And the Western kind of culture has this pursuit of being limitless, pursuit of positive thinking. Sometimes we need, I need a lot of positive thinking because I tend to be more negative. But very often that positive thinking gets us um, and it gets us to a point where it can't carry us no more. When life takes a turn where you're like, God, what have I done to deserve this? Um, somebody put this. Uh, this is a guy called Mark Manson. He wrote a popular book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. I'm not going to say uh, that because we're in church and I love keeping my job. Um, but it's, it's an orange book that talks about... Um, The aspirations of Western culture. And I think it's so prevalent um, in Christianity. He says that our culture today is obsessively focused on unrealistically positive expectations. Be healthier, be. Be happier, be healthier, be, be, be the best, better than the rest. Be smarter, faster, richer, sexier, more popular, more productive, more envied and more admired. Be perfect and amazing and poop out, I, I wouldn't use that word, poop out 12 current gold nuggets before breakfast each morning while kissing your selfie-ready spouse and two and a half kids goodbye. Then you fly off on your helicopter to your wonderfully fulfilling job where you spend your days doing incredibly meaningful work that's likely to save the planet one day. This is the aspiration, isn't it? Um, And I think we've imported this into uh, the Christian church. Just baptize it into the name of Jesus, and it will be the same aspirations. Be happier, be healthier, you'll be the best, better than the rest, smarter, faster, richer, sexier, more popular, more productive, more envied and, uh, and admired. And if this is the version of Christianity you've put your chips on and have invested your life in, When life hits you, when life takes a curveball at you, throws you a curveball, your faith does not stand. Amen. Um, Because it's not founded on uh, true uh, true faith. So in the new normal, when things don't go according to plan, uh, Satan says, if things don't go according to plan for Job, I bet you, God, he's going to cast you to your face trust me on this, he will turn his back on you. He will curse you with his lips. Very interesting. We'll pick it up in the next few weeks. This idea of Job cursing, cursing God. So, here's what we've seen so far and we're about to bring it to a conclusion. Am I in? We are landing this plane, in Bazalwani. Uh, This is where you say, landed, it, brother. Um, <laughs> the first thing we see is faith Um, when things are normal, that it's easy to trust God. The second thing, uh, faith when things are normal, it is hard to trust God uh, when we're facing difficulties. Lastly, and the point of our message is this, faith that is not normal. What Job is presenting to us and is presenting to Christians is the kind of faith that is not normal. And here's true faith according to Job and according to the Satan. Can I say I agree with him uh, on this one? And that's going to shock you. that true faith is coming to God to get God, and not to get from God. Let me say that again: true, true faith is coming to God to get God, and not coming to God to get from God. And we're going to see how that plays itself out in the next couple of weeks. But basically, what the Satan is saying is actually right: that the true, the test of true righteousness would be worshipping God. Worship without the promise of reward. Now that is a faith that's not normal, is it? That is not a faith that we experience. It, especially when you go through difficult times where you're just like, man, God, I've served you. And I know this is not a give and take relationships, but I mean, like, can't you come through for me? Can't you come through and remember the times I served you? Let me end off with a... Uh, a story um, by a lady who went through difficult moments. Her name is Kate Bowler. Uh, she sometimes, she's a theologian, so I agree with some of the things that she says, but every now and again, she'll say stuff. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but I just love her honesty, and I've come to learn a lot from her. Um, she um, grew up in a Mennonite society that's very hardcore. They uh, only wear dresses. It's very formal. Um, and she transitioned, became a theologian later on uh, in life. One of the things that she studied was the prosperity gospel. Uh, The prosperity gospel is the version of Christianity that teaches what we've just said, that if you are good to God, He'll be good to you. If you give to the man of God, your life will go well. Um, That is the prosperity gospel, and wherever there was a faith healing, she would be there. Wherever there was Um, a a televangelist attend somewhere uh, she will be there and she did her PhD in prosperity gospel uh, wanting to defend the Christian, the true faith but at the height of her career when she finally got that child she had been praying for when she finally made it to become a senior lecturer she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer And as you read um, her book, one of her books is called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies that I've Come to Believe. She outlines her journey, and it is heart-wrenching. But one of the things that she came to realize, or two things, was that, yes, there were people in the prosperity churches that wanted to drive Bentleys, but there was just the 5% of them. Many of them wanted to just live a normal life, never have to struggle, never have to struggle to take your kids to university, never have to hear those words, there's nothing that doctors can do right now. That's aspirations of everyone. And she, as she goes through her, her cancer, she just comes to realize that, yeah, like I studied those people, and in some ways I judged them for believing that they'll be healed and all of that, for believing that God will bless their faith. But what I came to realize is that, in every single one of us, there's a bit of, tiny bit of prosperity gospel. There's a tiny bit of prosperity gospel in all of us. There's a tiny bit of us that believes that somehow there's a connection between our obedience to God and His blessing over our lives. All of us believe that. And if you think you don't believe it, then you've never been pushed to a corner, you've never been stripped away of everything. And think to yourself, man, God, is this this fair? Like, are you fair? Every single one of us believes that if we obey God, if we serve Jesus, it will all be well. Now, the question that I want to leave with you this evening is, why do you serve God? Let's pray because I don't have the answers and we'll pick it up next week. Father, thank you so much for... Tonight, thank you for the music that we've been listening to. Thank you that in our experiences, um, we can tend to you and realize that we don't have the answers. And I pray that as we walk our way through this series, uh, that there would not be any arrogance from us to think that we have life figured out. I pray that we would wrestle with you. I pray that Jesus would become real for someone who's going through very difficult moments, that this would be a place of faith and encouragement and not a place of condemnation that somehow we don't have enough faith. I do pray that you would work in us uh, hearts that desire to serve you for you and not because we can get anything from you. This I pray in Jesus' name and for our good. Amen and amen.